Hello, and welcome to the Scott Stemmen Podcast. Um, hopefully you've been enjoying this uh, Exercising Our Faith series that I've been doing with my congregation. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the uh, Discipline of Confession, and joining me on this podcast is Mandy Hamilton. Uh, she is a colleague of mine and a friend from the uh, camp days when we used to work together. She's also one of my former students uh, at the acting camp and is a great good friend and mentor. She is also a pastor's kid, and she lives out in North Carolina. Carolina. So, and I'm very excited to be uh, having this conversation with her. So, Mandy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. So, Mandy, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I just graduated uh, with my bachelor's degree from UNC Greensboro here in North Carolina, and I recently accepted a staff residency program at a church in Nashville. So, I'll be moving there uh, within the next few months to help them, uh, their new church, and just going to help them build their community and, and reach the, the small town of Gallatin. All right. Well, that sounds very exciting, Mandy. I'm very excited for you on those uh, on you. that uh, adventure you'll be on. Uh, so when we talk about the topic of confession, um, what is it about confession that um, is important for us as Christians to always be practicing? And basically, why is this considered a discipline? Yeah, I think that when it comes to confession, um, I think, firstly, in general, there is a a stigma associated with confessing sins because I think that that people in their fault view sins of different degrees. For example, you wouldn't uh, hold somebody to the same account, somebody who has lied to the same account of somebody who has committed adultery in, in in our world. And so I think that in the church, we take bigger sins and there's more shame associated with in confessing those. Um, but uh, confession is, is all over scripture, all over the Bible. Um, and in confessing with, with the mouth, things that we have done, it, it breaks down um, this, this wall, this cloak of, uh, of shame that I think people feel. And it, and it allows there to be that, um, that humanness with one another and, and also confession first and foremost to, to the Lord, just um, he already knows the things that we have done, but in confessing with him, it kind of opens that communication of um, I am a faulty human. I am somebody who needs help. And it's, it's kind of a moment of surrender to um, the Lord and to people of, of, I need help. I need community. I need to be held accountable and um, I can't do this alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you bring up and you bring up a point about you know well God, well God you know God is all seeing He's all knowing so He right. He knows about our faults He knows about our shortcomings so how do you address the issue of well if God knows all my quirks and all my bad stuff then why do I even need to confess to Him about all my stuff if He already knows about it right and and I think for that in my own personal experience I um. I've experienced that there is confession is more for the human. It's more for the person than it is for God. Like you said, God knows and sees everything. And so it's not really us to tell him something that he doesn't already know. It's for us to be, uh, in my experience, humbled and to be um, kind of set below uh, myself again, just very humbling and, and it opens that that conversation of uh, again, I need help. And um, I think just the main general point in that when when I am confronted with that question is 
is that God gives us these tools and he gives us um, the things that we need to like the, the instructions and the directions that we need to be good people of faith and to grow in our faith and instruction on confession is one of them. And so confession is not something that is for him. It is for us to pull us closer to him, to pull us closer to other people in, in the kingdom. And um, it is just to, I think again, to humble us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you, and, and I think humility is kind of one of those, um, one of those character traits where, in society, kind of the idea of humility kind of is almost a negative turn. And I think especially uh, from one, from my remembering my um, culture, Jesus's culture that he lived in, that being humble or being made less was looked down upon. But yet we see that as a virtue in the kingdom of God. So, you know, when you say that, you know, confession's more for us, you know, to kind of humble ourselves before God's to admit that, hey, we are making mistakes or, Hey, we are doing things wrong. Um, You know, that's kind of a aspect that I think is beautiful, but also very troubling because how many of us always want to always be in that state of humility Mm -hmm. because we don't want to be in that state, but yet we see the Lord is calling us. And you mentioned something earlier, you mentioned something about, the different degrees of sin and mm-hmm. how, you know, the, it seems like within our culture, the bigger the sin, the more greater the shame. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that shame, I think, you know, from my experience too, and from what I read the word is that, you know, it, I think a lot of that's just more focused on us and other people. But mm-hmm. when we are giving that to the Lord, you know, the Lord doesn't see that he wants us to come uh, to him. So when we think about all this thing about confession, especially confessing the God and everything, you did mention other aspects about, you know, it helps with community. And when mm-hmm. I think about community, it's like, well, that, there's that verse where it says, I think in, I think it's James five sixteen where we're supposed mm-hmm. to confess our sins to one another. So how does that play out in church life? Yeah, um, I actually have that here. So I'll read that. Yeah, James five sixteen: confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Uh, the earnest, the earnest prayer, um, of a Christian, of the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, like, like you said, the, the confession of, of community, um, like being in community, there's a quote by John Piper I have written down. It says, uh, the normal in the normal life of the Christian, honesty, truthfulness, and purity of heart involve continual admission and confession of sin to appropriate people in our lives. And I think that um, that experience in my life has been so freeing. I think that some of the most freeing moments in my life are when I have um, gone to close friends or to my parents and and talked about things that I never thought I would share. Um, things that I've dealt with, things that I'm dealing with or going through, things that people may not see, attitudes of my heart. And in that, hearing them um, accept me and love me and and uh, walk with me through those things, those have been probably the most refining moments of my life. And, and I think that shame plays such a, a part in um, – in holding us down and and it's from the enemy completely and holding us in that darkness saying that people won't like us or accept us or love us if we tell them what we've done. Um, 
but on the contrary, it's, it's the most freeing thing um, to confess those to people that are close to us. Yeah, and I think I think the key thing is people who are close to us or people who we consider friends or and you even mentioned like your parents, which, you know, I think a lot of times as kids, I think a lot of kids, they always struggle with that idea of confessing something to parents. I can remember there was a kid that was at a church that I was at and he was the, he was the pastor's kid. So you, you probably know a little right. bit more yeah, about that. Totally. And, um, <laughs> and he was telling me about stuff and he was explaining certain things that he has done to me. And he goes, well, what should I do? And I said, well, why don't you talk to your dad about it? And he thought that that was the worst advice I ever gave. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. after I told him, I said, well, your dad wants to know that your dad cares about you. He loves you. And even though he's, you know, the pastor, um, you know, you're his son and, and, and that's your dad. And I think that's something you need to talk to him. So he said, okay, I'm do it. But you know, if my dad kills me, you know what happened? I'll go, okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll look for your obituary. <laughs> um, and then after a while, I haven't heard anything from him. So a couple of weeks later, I go, Hey man, did you talk to your dad? He goes, yeah, I did. I go, how was that? He goes, it went surprisingly well. It's like, yeah, Georgia, you yeah. know, but I think that's kind of the big thing when we think about confession within close, trusted Christian friends and even um, and even within like family units. Uh, because, you know, if I think about, you know, if I was confessing my stuff to the world about all my shortcomings, that would be a different response than what we would see totally. in the church. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, you know, the church you know, I think going back to that verse, James five sixteen, where it says, you know, when we confess our sins mm-hmm. to one another, then we shall be healed. And, yeah. you know, confession in some ways is a healing process. Mm-hmm. And even from a counselor point of view, you know, when I have clients and they're talking to me about some of the stuff they've experienced, the traumas they felt, and even sometimes a lot of times with that trauma usually comes you had the traumatic event, but the thing that usually kind of gets them hung up is the shame associated with the event. And when you kind of tell them when they're confessing this and you kind of tell them, well, Hey, that wasn't your fault. That's you should, you know, you should no longer feel shame to this because Hey, I don't see fault in everything. You didn't do nothing wrong. And definitely the Lord doesn't see anything you did wrong. Actually the wrong was put on the perpetrator, not you. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of see almost this healing process within their eyes, within their posture. It's almost like you can kind of see what's happening inward kind of come out outward. So, um, So when we talk about uh, confession as healing, where have you in your own journey, or especially people you may have mentored, where you have seen um, healing happen from confession? Yeah. Um, Again, kind of speaking to the the pastor's kid thing, I think that people, not even just pastor's kids, but people who are raised in the church, um, sometimes feel this, from my own experience, being a pastor's kid, this, this kind of pressure from a young age to be or look a certain way. And I think that that can speak greater to kids who are raised in the church or even new Christians who, who now know that they have this, this title of Christian and have to look a certain way. And so they play the part, they, they wear the right things. They, they dress the right way. And for me, I, I knew that I had to appear a certain way, but because I am human, I, I did make mistakes um, throughout high school specifically and um, not, not feeling this freedom, uh, again, shame from the enemy to keep those things inside, to keep them hidden and, um, 
because I wanted to look, I wanted to be a good representation of the Lord. Um, and I wanted to look like what I thought I was supposed to look like. Uh, but again, being human, having sin, sinful nature, just as a person, um, I made mistakes, but would conceal those. And so, um, I, I came to a point in my life not too long ago where I, I felt so much, um, like guilt, I think from, from just like simple, like normal, I guess, quote unquote, normal sins that high schoolers have, you know, like lying to their parents, like going here, telling, you know, their parents are going here and they're not, or like mm-hmm. doing just like certain things, just being a high schooler. And, and I came to a point where I was like, I feel like the people around me don't know me because nobody really knows these things except for like the people I knew in high school then. And so I feel like when you don't feel fully known, you can't accept full love because people say that they love you and say that they appreciate you and they know who you are, but they don't, they don't really know who you are. And, and so for me, I felt so lonely and I wanted people to know me and love me. And if they didn't accept me because of my sin, then that was on them. But um, going to my friends and going to my parents and telling them these things that I had done and experienced in high school um, specifically was so freeing. And it was so to, to have them look at me and to tell me that they loved me and, and just like, it was a very simple conversation on their end. And and then my mom looked at me and, and she was like, I feel like this was more healing for you than anything. And, and we still view you the same, but like you as the, as the person confessing, knowing that they know those things, um, it is such a, it's like a free moment of like, this is who I am and this is me and all of my fault. And if you still love me, then, then great. And, and of, of course, a, a person who is close to the Lord and, and who loves the Lord will accept you and will forgive you and will love you in that. Um, but that, yeah, that moment in that conversation specifically was so freeing for me and just not letting the shame from the enemy, because again, shame is, is not something from the Lord. Um, there is conviction to to repent and turn from from our sinful nature, but shame is not from the Lord. He does not condemn us. He does not cast guilt on us. That is a tactic and a tool of the enemy. And so, when you're feeling that, feeling those things, um, addressing that and saying that like guilt and shame, that's not who the who the Lord is calling me to be or the way that He's calling me to live, um, and and turning from that and and acting against. Um, so yeah, that, that conversation is specific and that whole situation was definitely a long time coming. Um, but definitely that didn't, it didn't make it any easier. Surprisingly, the, the things that had happened <laughs> so long ago, it didn't make it any easier, but, yeah. um, definitely very freeing for sure. Yeah. And there's a, there's a, there's a thing that you said, I'm trying to, I'm trying to rack my brain around what you said, so I don't, miss. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, you talk about, you know, you talk about that idea of feeling alone and being mm-hmm. known. And, and, you know, yeah. I always think about, you know, I think about that concept that, you know, if God is all seeing, all knowing, and he wants to know us, but yet when we feel alone mm-hmm. and we feel in isolation, I think that's when we kind of have, that's, I think, when sin can kind of manifest itself. Totally. That's when I think the guilt and the shame can kind of start building up that wall where now, instead of coming clean and saying, hey, you know, uh-uh, you know, I'm going to talk to God about this, or I'm going to go talk to, you know, 
my trusted, you know, someone I trust, whether that's mm-hmm. a pastor or friend or whatever about the things that I'm going with, you know, yeah. when we keep building up those walls and walls and walls, and that's when we can get to a point where we can get that sin sickness. We can get to a point where, mm-hmm. you know, now we're trying to justify, we go into a justification mode where I know I did something bad, but it's like, well, you know, it's not really that bad. Yeah. Right. And, and it just becomes a building block. And there's a point where, and you kind of mentioned it before and where, you know, when you come clean, you know, it doesn't make it easier. It's not mm-hmm. like it's always a thing, but it's a process and there's the accountability and there's always the things that come with it so that eventually we can get to it. I think it's, um, you know, it's Galatians 6, 2, where it says, you know, carry one another's burdens as the, you fulfill the law of Christ. Yeah. And yeah. I think, you know, I think a lot of times within Protestantism, mm-hmm. the idea of confessing your shortcomings or your sins to another person is like, well, why should I do that? I can just confess it to God. Um, And I think they missed the point. I mean, I understand like from a Catholic point of view or like what Luther was kind of getting at, like, well, you know, God's the one who forgives sins, not your priest, not, and yeah, that's the thing. It's not that you, someone telling me their sins that I'm going to say, yes, your sins are forgiven. You know, it's more like, you know, God in the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven, you know, because again, mm-hmm. if you, if you forgive your brother or sisters of their sins, then they will be forgiven, which I think that's kind of where the Catholic church gets of that. But it really is God. Who's the ultimate forgiver of sins. Mm-hmm. Um, but talking to another individual, that's when you can kind of have more. And you said the word accountability, and that's mm-hmm. where you can get the accountability from. Um, yeah. Was there anything you wanted to add to that? Yeah, I think that that was something that I, in in looking into uh, information about all of this, thinking about the Catholicism and and going into the into the little room in the in the church and mm-hmm. confessing to the priest what you've done. Um, I think that in of itself um, is not a, a wrong practice, but it's also not like a. Um, a, a progression and there's no accountability. It's kind of like, okay, I did this thing. Okay. And then, but there's no change in the attitude or the, or the heart necessarily um, to want to change. And again, repent in turn in a 180 degrees away from what you've done. And I think that we're not meant to do life alone and we're not meant to live in isolation. We're created for community. We're created for people. It is not good for man to be alone. Um, the Lord said that. And so mm-hmm. Um, I think the issue with a, with a confessional box in a Catholic church is that um, they are alone once they leave the room. Once they leave the, the, ch- the church, they, they are then alone and nobody else knows uh, besides that private priest. And so I think that in being in community, there's a, a quote by um, C.S. Lewis, and he says, the root of all friendship is you too. And, and that, again, for me, having friends sit with me and me tell them something or them tell me something and I say me too, you know, or them say me too. To me, it's, mm-hmm. it's such like, oh, because you think that you were the only person who deals with one situation or one sin continuously. And when somebody else says that, it's, it's like I'm not in isolation, even though they can't fix it for me. And they are, like you said, they are not the one who can um, save me from this sin. Only the Lord can do that. I, I am not alone and I have somebody to talk to. I have somebody to walk with me through this. Um, and, and just another, there's a quote by John Mark Comer that I really love about loneliness specifically. 
Um, it says, what does loneliness tell us about ourselves? Be it chronic or acute, slight or significant, loneliness is proof of our relational design. At the core of our being is truth. We are designed for and, de and defined by our relationships. We were born with a relentless longing to participate in the lives of others. Fundamentally, we are relational souls. We cannot not be relational. Mm -hmm. And I just think that is so good. Um, and, and we are just, we're so not meant to be alone, to live alone. If, if we were, it would just be Adam, I guess. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think even from the beginning of creation, we're shown that we're meant to be in community with each other and, and being able to be our full selves, um, is, is a huge part of why we were created in, in community. Yeah. And, and you bring up and you bring up Adam. There's a there's a an incomplete writing of Diedrich Bonhoeffer's called um, called um, Creation and Fall, which had to do with it was kind of a commentary he was doing on Genesis. And a lot of the times he talks about the idea of the different ways he in his view, he saw that there are always different ways for Adam and Eve to kind of get back into God's you know, I guess it get in good back into God's grace, good graces, I guess maybe. And I don't even know if that's the right terminology at this point. Mm -hmm. um, but it was that idea that, you know, when God asked, where, where are you? Mm -hmm. And the mm -hmm. idea of, you know, what if they just came clean and said, Hey, we screwed up, we messed up, you know, and confess that. But mm -hmm. instead it was the hiding and then the blaming that kind of mm -hmm. led to them being kicked out of the garden. Um, mm -hmm. There's a, there's something you said about, you know, shame being a tool of the enemy and that, you mm -hmm. know, God doesn't, you know, God doesn't make us feel guilt or shame. Um, one of the questions, one of the things that I've always tackled with, or sometimes question gas me, it's like, well, you know, what about, well, what about, you know, when we read the prophetic books where you have Israel and they just continue to be disobedient. And even yeah. when the prophets are saying, Hey, if you do not repent, the anger of the Lord will come upon you. And you know, mm -hmm. your, your towns will be dens for wild animals and you know, the yeah. sword will be coming. And I think the question, and I guess just kind of curious how you would respond to that. So then it's like, well, God doesn't like sin. So he does get angry at sinful at, at people when they sin. And the response that I've always kind of go to is like, yeah, but this is a long progression of unchecked sin that has happened generation. Even if you look at, even when you read the book of judges, you can go to like the first couple of judges. It's like, okay, they repent and then they be good until the judge dies. And then they fall back into sin. And eventually you get to the later books of the book of judges. And it's like each judge had a character flaw and not only that, but then it got to the point where there was a civil war within Israel over the death of a concubine. And, yeah. and that from there, there was just this progression of sin. And even when leaders were saying, you got to repent, you got to repent, uh, they would put them up in stocks. They would drive them out of towns. They would kill them. You know, it was always that. So when I think so, when someone brings up that thing, like, well, God's angry at sin or so that there is almost to justify the guilt and the shame that that does come from above, you know, my response is, right. you know, that's not necessarily God that's coming from humankind of just unchecked sin and just a, 
and then a, basically a dismissal of God's goodness and grace in one's life. So I don't know. How would you, how would you tackle that? How would you tackle that uh, yeah. question? <laughs> yeah. And I, and I don't want to misspeak. I do. I do. God hates sin. God hates mm-hmm. that we do that. It, it tears us from him. It, it, it's the, it's the thing that um, keeps us from him and, and he hates it completely. Um, and I think that in regards to like the Israelites, again, I recently read through their entire story and even I would become frustrated with, with them and their continued disobedience. And I'm like, do you guys not get it? But then I look at my life and I'm like, I don't get it either because <laughs> I'm still faultful and I'm, I still make mistakes and I still make the same mistakes over and over again, even though I've prayed and cried over them and, um, think I'm, I'm repenting and completely changing. And I think that God, God is a just God completely. Uh, but God is also a God of grace. And I think that that makes the the situation of him sending Jesus for us so much more great because God is still the same God. Um, he's been since the beginning, he will be for eternity. He is still the same and views sin the same. And, and even in my opinion, wants to respond the same, but because of Jesus, because he sent him, Jesus takes that blame and he takes the guilt and the shame upon us, the wrath that God had on the Israelites that he had for people who, who committed quote unquote, um, minor sins. Like there's this one story in the old Testament and and I always mess up the name of the the guy in the Bible, but he took, um, gold and a robe and, and I believe something else from Jericho when, when the Mm -hmm. Israelites, um, when God gave them Jericho and, and he took those things, even though the Lord told him not to. And the, um, the punishment for that was him and his family and all of his belongings and all of his things were stoned and then like lit on fire or something. And they were left there. And, and it was just because he stole something. Mm-hmm. And so God still views smaller sins the same, but because of Jesus, because of the grace that we have um, through him, I think that that's my answer to that question that God is still the same, but Jesus makes things different for us now. God responds differently to us now because of the grace, because of us being saved um, through the action, through the the crucifixion and and the salvation we have in Christ. Mm -hmm. Good, good stuff, Mandy. Um, Yeah. And I think that's kind of a big thing because even when we look at Israel's story, not only do you have, especially going back to the person you're talking about, which I believe his name was Achan, I believe. Okay. Because even, even in that story, after they took stuff from Jericho, they went to go battle another opponent and they got their butts handed to them. And of course, Joshua saying, Lord, why did you send us out here to, we would be ruined. And Lord basically told him to stand up. You have sin in your camp and you got to deal with it. Yeah. I think about the concept of confession. It is an individual point on my part to be able to allow the Holy to basically give permission, I guess, for the Holy spirit to search my hearts, to bring up the things in my life that need to be confessed Mm -hmm. uh, to the Lord find that accountability that I need to do. I think that is a pretty much, I think that in itself is probably a good 90% of confession, at least in my mind. I think Mm -hmm. the 10% is also the community. You know, it's that idea of, you know, when we look at the Israelites, a lot of their sins were national sins. Mm -hmm. A lot of the things, I mean, and that was the thing, like whatever the king decided, 
and the rule that they made, the people followed. And if this was a king who was fearful of the Lord, you know, they were able to have much luck and prosperity. And when he wasn't being obedient to the Lord, then it just kind of trickled down throughout the whole nation. Um, So when I think about, you know, not necessarily, you know, worldly, national, or even just within community, within like church settings, or even within any type of Christian, like, companies, whether it be like a FCA or a Chick-fil-A or, or whatever, you know, there's always going to be some type of corporate thing where there has to be some type of big confessional um, mm-hmm. within community, because sometimes that can breed, uh, bring healing too. And I don't know if I've ever shared this story because I've always shared too many stories and I don't know how many weird stories you ever hear from me, Mandy, but did I ever tell you the story about the guy in Ashland, Ohio, who his church was dying and he asked somebody like, well, I don't know what to do. We keep doing all these things. It's like, there's this wall and no one wants to come to the church. And a professor asked him, well, check if you have, if the church has any wounded history. Did I ever ever said anything to you about any of that? I don't think so. Okay, well, this is great. Hold on to your seat. (laughs) (laughs) I know. This is recording live. I do apologize. So this guy, because he was a student at the seminary that I went to, and he was from, like, New Jersey. So going from New Jersey to, like, almost an Amish community in Ashland, Ohio, Mm -hmm. but everyone liked him. He was – but he was like, we did all this stuff, and we couldn't figure out what was the – Thing. So someone goes, well, look for wounded history. So he started to search, asked the elders, ended up going to a library, looked at the microfish and was looking at the history. And what he found out is that the original builders of the church, the founders of the church, were also the founding members of the KKK in Ashland County. Oh my gosh. So he read, so he, so once he found this out, he went to the elders of the church and said, Hey guys, I have some news for you and shared the history of the church. And they were shocked by that. So at that meeting, the the elder board and the pastor, they all prayed the Lord to forgive this church, forgive, you know, kind of the foundation and everything that it was built upon. And it was a whole big corporate forgiveness thing. And then after that, the church just started exploding. Like they would have events and like the whole entire community would come out and the, and the church started growing and it started to become more healthier because they were able to confront the foundational sins of the beginning of the creation of this church. And I'm just, so when I think about the idea of confession and especially confession brings healing, it's not just an individual healing or a spiritual healing or a mental healing, but it's relational healing. And sometimes it's community healing and even, in some weird way, it's also corporate healing too. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, it'll be interesting to see after the NFL, you know, made their big confession about, hey, sorry, we weren't listening to you about the injustices that were happening to you. We're going, to, we're listening mm. now. We're going to do better. I'm, I'm kind of curious how much more healing is going to happen within that organization because they are able to again humble themselves and say, hey, we were wrong. We yeah. messed up. We're sorry. Yeah. 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 That's really good. Wow. Yeah. I've never heard that before. <laughs> Again, I have that's so many stories crazy. in my head. I have to keep saying I'm yeah. getting older, so I have to share them because then I'll eventually <laughs> I'll forget them. <laughs> but, but Mandy, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a really great conversation. Yeah. Is there anything else you like to share about the topic of confession before we conclude? 
Um, just, just an encouragement to, to whoever's listening to, like Scott said, to um, ask the Lord if there's anything in your, in your heart um, or in your soul or spirit that you may have even forgotten about um, that happened a long time ago that, that you need healing from. And, and just uh, to feel encouraged that the Lord wants you to have community and he wants you to be healed. And um, he doesn't want you to live in shame or in condemnation or um, by yourself. He doesn't want you to live in isolation. So just be encouraged that um, the conversation may be hard to have, but that it is one that um, can only be beneficial and and one that um, the Lord would encourage you to have and wants you to have that community and that freedom. So. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mandy. And thank you, everybody who is uh, listening to this. Again, you can find the Scott Simmons podcast on any podcasting server. You can find us through Apple Music, Spotify, um, anywhere you, uh, Google Play, anywhere you can listen to podcasts. You just type in the Scott Simmons podcast. You'll be able to find it. You can also find me on my website, thescottsimmons.com, and also on my YouTube page, Scott Simmons Ministries. Um, but again, hopefully you're finding great content. We'll have a lot more content coming to you. Be for sh- sure to like, share, and subscribe everything. Share with a friend. Maybe you know someone who's struggling with the concept of confession. Maybe this will give them a little bit of hope. So again, thank you so much, Mandy, for being on the show. I definitely appreciate you and good luck to your future ministry endeavors. Thank you so much. All right, everyone. Hope you have a great day and I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.